up. I know you guys have been doing this series on uh, winning the day and how like tomorrow starts the day, right? You got to work on it now. And so I, I'm going to share a message today really about perspective. And so I'm going to jump us off today with, uh, with a little spoken word. Is that cool? Yeah. So this spoken word is called frames. It goes like this. Frames. Your frames can change the game. We might be in the same exact space and not see things the same. Because some of you rock frames that are pessimistic. You analyze every negative statistic, despise the dreamers as unrealistic, and big God opportunities show up and you missed it. But I love those that are optimistic. Could see my hood in Tampa and envision an innovation district. Helping people that are misfits find the God-given purpose of their existence. <laughs> but some have blind frames. They just can't see it. Their blind spots have them thinking crypto isn't real, so they stick with traditional fear. So be it. Now life can cause our frames to get tainted. The pandemic had some believers in Christ that fainted. Fainted in fear and fainted in faith. See, our human frames can have us stay in a space that feels safe, even if it isn't. But put on a pair of God frames, it's so exquisite. It can turn your greed into generosity. It can flip your frames and your philosophy. You'll see potential where others are blinded by mediocrity, and your fear will fade. And you can confidently say, God's got me. And your entitled frames can turn grateful. You can show love to your neighbor, even if they're hateful. Throw a block party, cook out, bring them a plateful. I promise, your lustful frames can get pure. Your creator has a cure. He can rewire your whole brain contour. This next season can be your greatest encore. So it's time to reframe from a temporary to eternal aim. See, with your vision, you can see crisis or opportunity depending on your frames. So flip yours and change the game, frames. Yeah. Bridge Church, are y'all ready? Y'all ready to flip your frames today? We're going to do it. So the past couple years, there's been a lot of negative things that have happened, a lot of negative things that we've seen, and God's put this, this message, this passion on me to talk about perspective and talk about frames. And a lot of people say my ministry is out of the box, so I put this new book in a box. comes in a box. comes with a master class, so if you're not so much of a reader, there's actually a video that goes with every chapter as well. And inside of the box, there's even a pair of frames. We got you. And so, yes, I brought a couple of those with me. And uh, so, yeah, I'm super grateful to be with you guys today. And uh, my frame started to change about 25 years ago. Originally, I'm from Philly. I grew up in church. My dad was actually a pastor. So I'm a PK. That's what they call it around church. If you don't know what that lingo is, that's pastor's kid. Pastor kids are the worst sometimes. We are. So, uh, you know, as I became a teenager, I had one foot in the streets doing some illegal things, and one foot in the church. Actually, was the church drummer. That's what the PK does. The PK here, he plays the drums. Well, nobody else plays. So I was talking to him. He said, I self-taught. I was like, yep, that was me too. Like, hey, I like drums. I like the beat on stuff. I like hip-hop. So I, I learned how to play, right? And so, but you know what? Eventually, as I stepped out into the world, I soon discovered that there's nothing out there. 
it left me more empty than ever. And so I started my own like real faith journey and, and came back to Jesus and he began to flip my frames. And so, you know, he turned my greedy frames into generous frames. He turned my pessimistic frames into optimistic frames. He turned my, my temporary frames into frames that saw eternity. And so I'm just curious, at Bridge Church, at the 11 o'clock service, has Jesus flipped any of your frames? Yeah, there we go. That's what I thought. That's what I thought. This is a service with the energy. I mean, they had extra coffee for this service. That's what's up. But listen, even though Jesus flips frames, sometimes, though, if you're real, when life gets hard, we can tend to sometimes put the wrong frames back on, right? We, we can sometimes, and sometimes then we miss opportunities. How many of y'all ever missed the opportunity because you had the wrong frames on, right? So this is about 10 years ago, and in our church, we actually retrofitted a former retail box. It was a Toys R Us store. Y'all know about Toys R Us from a Old school has Jeffrey the Giraffe, and, you know, we used to go shopping for toys there. And so we took over this abandoned 43,000-square-foot building. It was a monster. It was a leap of faith for our young urban church. And uh, there was some pressure. There was, like, hundreds of new people coming, but we had all this construction debt, and there was just a lot of, lot of, lot of pressure. But we were trying to, like, figure it out and make it work and be creative and what we had. And so uh, down the block, they had just opened up a new movie theater. They retrofitted this old theater and made it real nice. And so, you know, we were getting ready, coming up Easter, you know, announcing Easter, pumping that up, getting everybody ready for that. And we said, man, we would love to do like an advertisement. Remember at the movies, like before the movie starts, sometimes there'd be ads that would play. We're like, we want to make an ad that will be able to play before the movies. I know a lot of y'all are like, movies, what's that? We don't go to the movies anymore, right? The pandemic stopped all that. We just, we're lazy. We just watch it, watch it at home, right? So anyway, so I, we called the movie theater. This, this sales guy came to the church to meet with me and started talking to me about, you know, the packages they had. And I said, well, listen, I, I want a custom package, sir, because we got a limited budget. We carved out this little bit of money. If we could just run this ad, we're going to produce it. We got a great video team. They're super creative. We just want to run it for three weeks before Easter and just make a splash. And he said, well, you know, I've been in this business for years, and uh, it doesn't really work when you do it that way. What you need to do is you need to set up a package and run an ad for about six months, preferably a year, and then you'll see some real results. And so we have special prices that we have for our, both of those packages. And, I can, and he started running down some of the prices, and it was like more per month than what we had for those three weeks. I was like, sir. We do not have that money. We just got into this building. We're trying, you know. Anyways, uh, how many of y'all ever had somebody that tried to give you what they call the upsell? Yeah. I was in the middle of an upsell conversation, and at the time, I had had a lot of those because it seemed like everybody and their grandmom was coming to the church and knocking on the door, calling us, pressing the buzzer. They had something to sell us. It was a copy machine. It was this. It was that. It was the other. You know, and with, like, stuff we couldn't afford or we didn't need. And so I was a little bit pessimistic with salespeople at that point in time. So I was frustrated. I was like, all right, all right we'll, we'll call you, right? And so the week went on. That Sunday came. And, you know, that pastors, when they preach a lot of times, we, we preach about real-life stuff that happens, and we give illustrations. And so that was fresh on the top of my mind. So I gave an illustration about it that Sunday. And uh, nobody knew because I didn't tell details or names or anything like that. Nobody knew who I was talking about except him. 
because little did I know he was watching service online with his wife. And so that afternoon after church, after I got up from my Sunday afternoon nap, which I'm going to get one today, Pastor Jose. He said, he'll let me get one after we eat lunch. So I just opened up my laptop and happened to get an email from the sales guy. And he's like, hey, me and my wife watched service today online. And, you know, the worship was amazing. We love the diversity. We love to see all the young people there. It seems like just you're doing a great work. And then we watched the message and we were really connecting with it up until the part that you talked about me. And he was like, I'm really offended that you thought I was trying to do that. And me and my wife were actually praying about paying for your entire year of advertising. But I don't think we're going to do that now. <laughs> Let me tell you something, guys. That was a lesson. It was a lesson. I had the wrong frames on. Sometimes we can have the wrong frames on and we can judge somebody. And maybe they're actually going to come in our life and bless us and help us in a, in a major way but we're looking at it the wrong way, and we can miss it. There's a story in Scripture about 10 guys, 10 guys who had pessimistic frames on, and they caused over a million people to miss their purpose. I want to invite you guys to stand with me today. We're going to read this opening passage of Scripture that we're going to look at today, and to kind of set it up, the Israelites, they had been in slavery in Egypt for over 400 years. They had recently just got free from the Pharaoh. They crossed through the Red Sea, they were now in the desert, but God was providing them with manna, with food every day, with water, and they were inching closer and closer to this promised land that God had promised to them. And so they're near the promised land, and God said to Moses, he said, hey, I want you to send out 12 scouts, one from each tribe of Israel, and go into this land and, and, and have them go for 40 days and do some reconnaissance and then come back. And so that takes us to this passage in Numbers chapter 13. It's in the Old Testament. We're going to start in verse 27, and they're coming back now with the report, these 12 scouts. Check it out. It says this. It says, we entered the land that you sent us to explore, and it indeed is a bountiful country. It's a land that's flowing with milk and honey. Here is the kind of fruit it produces. So they came back, and they had like these big like grapevines that they were carrying, and it was just amazing, and everybody's looking at it and saying, oh, wow. This is awesome. But then what's the next word there after that? But. But. There's always a but, isn't there? Things are going, but, right? But the people living there, they're powerful, and their towns are large and fortified, and we even saw giants there, the descendants of Anak. So remember, this, this report at first, it was going well. They're like, oh, man, it's, it's flowing with milk and honey. It's great. Look at the fruit. It's beautiful. But, right, so then this, this guy named Caleb jumps in and, and tries to, like, change the vibe back to the positive, right? Verse 30, he says, Caleb tried to quiet the people. He was like, shh, guys, don't worry about all that. As they stood before Moses, and this is what he said. He said, he was trying to rally the troops. He said, let us go at once and take the land. He said, we can certainly conquer it. But the other, and there's another but again, right? But the other men who explored the land with them, they disagreed. Look what they said. They said, we can't go up against them. They're stronger than we are. So they spread this, this what kind of report, y'all? A bad report about the land among the Israelites. And look what they said. They said, the land we traveled through and explored, it'll devour anybody who goes there. 
And all the people we saw, they were huge. Uh, we even saw giants there, the descendants of Anak, and next to them we felt like grasshoppers. So you have these 12 scouts, they, they go out, and they all saw, think about this, they all saw the same exact thing. They were all on the same exact team. Somebody say same team. But listen, just because you're on the same team doesn't mean that you have the same frames. People see things very differently depending on the lenses that they're looking through. And so, but there was two guys. Somebody say two guys. They had on different frames. They saw it in a totally different way. They were optimistic. They were faith-filled, and their story ended up totally different. So let me pray for us real quick. Let's talk to God. Father, we come before you today. We pray for these next couple of minutes as we talk about perspective, as we talk about frames, God, help us to focus in, and God, help us reframe it. I know everybody in here has a story of some things that they're facing right now, that they're going through, that can be difficult and challenging, and looking at it through natural frames can be frustrating and scary and maybe discouraging, but God, I pray today they'll be able to reframe it and have optimism and hope, and not just see the problems, but see the potential of what you can do in them and through them. So God, use these next couple minutes in this scripture to, to speak to us and encourage us and help us to reframe it. Pray this in Jesus' name. Everyone said, amen. amen. Give somebody a fist bump next to you and tell them, change your frames. It can change the game. All right, so, so Bridge family, just for a couple minutes today, I want to give us some tools on how to flip your frames from pessimistic to optimistic. And see, here's the thing. Here's the problem, though, a lot of times, y'all. We live in a world that has a 24-hour news cycle now. Back in the day, at least when I was growing up, I'm going to tell my age a little bit, I grew up in an era where the news came on at 5 o'clock and 10 o'clock or 11 o'clock. You know, you had to stay up late to watch the news or try to rush home early to be able to catch it. But nowadays, we got multiple news channels that just run 24 hours a day, right? On top of that, now we got social media and we got news feeds, right, that just spit stuff to us constantly. We can scroll and see all kinds of people talking about the latest stuff on Facebook and Instagram and Telegram and TikTok and YouTube and all. I mean, New social media is coming out every day, right? And so there's information coming at us at a rate that mankind has never even experienced before. And so if you watch some of those news feeds this week, what did you hear about? You heard more about the war. Maybe you heard about the bank that collapsed in California and the potential recession that's right around the corner and inflation woes and crime and just murder and all this stuff. And it's just like it's always bad reports, right? It's always bad news. And if that's all you're constantly feeding your mind with, no wonder anxiety and depression is through the roof, right? People are over-anxious and overstimulated, and, and they're overwhelmed, right? But everybody just right now, just, just take a deep breath with me. Just, just relax. I know I just started talking about some of that, and some of your blood pressure was like, like, like just, just relax. You're in God's house with God's people, God's presence, a good place to be on a Sunday. Amen? Amen? So we got this constant stream of bad reports. It's, it's, it's in the world. It's in culture. And here's what we have a choice to do, y'all. We can choose to sink and settle, or we can rise and lead. 
And listen, God is calling his people, y'all, to rise and lead. God is calling the Bridge Church to rise and lead right here in Newburgh, New York. Y'all with me? So the past couple of years, a lot of people sunk and settled during the pandemic. All the bad news, all the craziness that was going on in the world, a lot of people suffered and just sunk and settled. But at the same time, like I said during my spoken word, if you caught it, your vision can see crisis or opportunity. Now, it absolutely was a crisis the past couple years. It was all kind of multiple crises, right, compounded on top of each other. But even through the crisis, there was a group of people that thrived. Did you notice that? There was a lot of new millionaires in the last couple years. There's a lot of people that reinvented themselves, that started new businesses, that went back to school, that started a new career, that started a new ministry, that started a new purpose in their life. There's people that have thrived. A lot of churches suffered the last couple years, but there's some that has thrived. My church in Tampa has thrived the last couple years. We have now more people attending in person than we did three years ago before the, the pandemic started. You know, our giving and generosity is up by like 35%. It's crazy. Like all the metrics and all the amount of people, you know, coming to Jesus. and It's just the amount of outreach we're doing. It's all like one up. It's crazy. Why? Because we saw opportunity and we saw problems and we came up with innovative solutions with God's help. And we said, we're not going to let this stop us. People need Jesus now more than ever. We're going to figure out new ways to leverage technology and outreach and do new things and innovate. And God has been moving. And I look here very similar at the Bridge Church and so many churches, especially in the New York area, are struggling right now and trying to come back. We need to pray for the churches, right? But I look at the Bridge Church and y'all are thriving. You're growing. You got to add a service on Easter because you're not going to have enough seats for everybody. And so, but that's because your, your pastors here had the right frames on. And they said, even though it's a storm right now, we know God's got us, and we're going to get through this, and we're going to innovate, and we're going to push forward. And so, man, look at what God's doing. It depends on the frames that you have. We can have hope and peace even in the middle of a storm because we know God is still going to move. Amen? So the Israelites, they heard the report of these 12 scouts, and 10 of them, they were those bad reports, and two of them, somebody say two of them. That was the good two. They were the good reports, right? And look at what happened next in Numbers chapter 14 over to the next chapter. It says, then the whole community began weeping aloud, and they cried all night like a bunch of crybabies, right? <laughs> they were just crying and complaining, and their voices rose in a great chorus of protest against their leaders Moses and Aaron. And this is what they said. They said, if only we had died in Egypt or even here in the wilderness, they complained. Why is the Lord taking us to this country only to have us die in battle? Our wives and our little ones, they'll be carried off as plunder. Wouldn't it be better for us to return to Egypt? Wait, what? Did you see that? Return to Egypt? Do you remember what they were doing in Egypt? They were making bricks for the Pharaoh 12 hours a day in the hot sun getting paid free 99. Well, no 99, just free. They were in slavery, right? And, and so that's what the enemy does because a lot of us in this room, we were in slavery in some ways, in slavery to sin, in slavery to different things, and God has set us free, and the enemy can do this thing. I like to call it spiritual amnesia. He gives us that spiritual amnesia, and we remember back to the sinful times, and we can forget about all the pain, and we only remember the little bit of pleasure. 
And so we say crazy stuff like, you know, like she wasn't that crazy. I remember how she used to make me feel. I remember him. He, oh, well, he was, you know, big and strong. He beat me, but, I mean, he, he always brought me flowers the next day. Well, I made a lot of money at that job. I mean, I couldn't sleep at night, and I lost my hair, and, you know, I, I, it was because it was so toxic, but I was making good money. And, and so the enemy could just show us those little, like, pleasure moments and forget about all the pain and all the problems that sin and addiction and going the wrong direction does. And, and he can try to get us to look back and go back to Egypt, y'all. But I want to tell you today, Egypt should never be an option. Egypt should never be an option. God has a plan for your life. He's got a purpose for your life. He's got some destiny and some amazing things. So you have to be careful what voices, what reports you're listening to. Because the enemy wants to distract you. He wants to take you away from your purpose and, your, and, and, your, and God's plan for your life and the destiny. And listen, um, you, you got to faith and praise him even in the middle of the storm. Come on, somebody, give some praise even in the middle of the storm if you're going through it right now. If you're struggling, look at your neighbor and tell him Egypt is not an option. Egypt is not an option. Don't go there. Don't go back. Don't go back to slavery. God's got something so much better for you. Freedom is incredible. Listen, Joshua and Caleb, they were the two scouts that had the right frames on. They had those optimistic frames, and they tried to convince the crowds of people, like, guys, come on. You were with me when we walked through the Red Sea. Like, we saw the miracles that God did. We see the miracles that, that God is going to continue to do. Like, like, come on, guys. Like, come with us. We, we got this. God's help is going to be amazing. And so I want to read it just a couple couple sentences from my book from chapter 1. And this is right after they were trying to convince everybody. And it says this. It says, you would think they would turn the crowd. Right? They're giving them all these reasons why, hey, come on, guys. We got this. And they would listen. They would go take the land that God had already promised them. But when you lead higher... Not everyone will want to follow or jump on the same team. Some people will actually want to kill you. They'll want to kill your dream or at least your vibe. And that's exactly what the people of Israel did. They were talking about stoning Joshua and Caleb. Now, God was ready to kill all of them. But in his grace and his mercy, he spared them. But he made a promise that not one of them would ever enter the promised land because they listened to the wrong report because of their disobedience they were to wander for 40 years in the wilderness <laughs> and 10 people with pessimistic frames cost them 40 years in the desert and no passport into the promised land wow that's rough y'all your frames will change the game because 10 people with pessimistic frames cause over a million people to miss their promised land. So I want to ask you, Bridge family, who are you listening to? What reports are you tuning into? Are you locked to all the time? Are you always tapping into? Because it can influence you. And these people got influenced by the wrong people, the wrong reports. And the Bible tells us that everybody that was over 20 years old, they missed out on the promised land. They died in the wilderness. Even Moses, their leader, he didn't get to go into the promised land. Uh, it's one of the most, to me, one of the most depressing verses in the Bible as a visionary. Like Moses, this was his mission, his purpose, and he got to look at the promised land from a distance, but he wasn't allowed to enter. That's tough. Nobody over 20 got to enter into the promised land. That generation all died in the wilderness except 
two guys. Those two guys that had the right frames on. And scholars say that by that time, they were probably in their 80s. But Joshua and Caleb, guess what? They walked into that promised land because they had the right frames on. And again, your frames can change the game. So Bridge family, how do we switch from pessimistic frames to optimistic frames? Because it's challenging. And sometimes, man, like, we, we got the right frames on, but the old ones can slip back on. I want to give you three things today, three tools that will help you reframe it before we get out of here. Number one, if God said it, believe it. If he said it, believe it. Any, any Maverick City fans in the building? They got a song about that. If he said it, you believe it. I'm, I'm, see, I'm, I'm a, I'm a, I didn't do that first service, but, you know. So, Numbers chapter 13, God told Moses, like, I'm giving you this land. It doesn't matter how big the people are, how fortified their cities are, how many obstacles there are. Remember, I walked y'all through the Red Sea. I fed y'all. I gave you water. I did all that for a couple million of you guys in the middle of the desert. Like, I got this. Like, trust me. Right? So I know I read this passage, and I can tend to get judgmental. I don't know about you, but I'm like, what's wrong with those people? Because if I would have seen those miracles of them getting out of Egypt and walking through the Red Sea, the walls of water on each side, I would have been like locked in. Like, whatever you say, God, I got you, right? But I want to ask you today, how many of you guys have seen some miracles before in your life or your family? Raise your hands. Okay. Almost every hand is up, right? We've all seen some miracles before. I know I have. I've seen a lot of them. But I still doubt sometimes. I still do stupid stuff. I still t occasionally put on the pessimistic frames again, right? We all, it's, it's, it's our human flesh. It's our human nature, right? So for our church, God gave us this vision to go after this Toys R Us store to touch the whole city. And God had already been moving in big ways. I mean, we were in, in a building similar to this, and we were packing it out, you guys, and we were having to go to three services, and lives are being changed, and most of the people that were coming to our church were unchurched or dechurched, and it was a lot of young people, and they started bringing their parents to church, and it was this amazing move of God, and I was a national hip-hop artist, and so every time I got the chance to travel and tour, and even on my albums, I'm talking about the church, and so people started to come to our church from all over the country, because Florida's a vacation spot. By the way, you ever come to Tampa, come visit us, right, when you're on vacation, right? So people, to this day, people just visit us from all over when they come on vacation. I met a guy last Sunday. He's like, oh, man, Urban D. I was listening to your music 20 years ago, <laughs> you know. I'm from Minnesota. We're down here on spring break, you know. And so, like, people started coming, and miracles were happening. People were coming to this little church back in the middle of the hood in Tampa from literally all over the world. And so God was doing miracles, and God's like, be quiet. Look at what I'm already doing. I could do whatever. And so I had days where I was optimistic, like, we got this, let's go. And then other days when we announced the vision already, we're like, this is what we're going to do. And then we're like looking at the numbers on paper and everything else in the bank account. We're like, oh, man, how are we going to do this? <laughs> like, what did, I, what did I get us into as the pastor, as a visionary? But you know what? God said it, and we believed it. And we followed. We were crazy enough to follow it, and we watched God begin to put things together. And that's the second tool, y'all. Second tool to flip your frames is God usually doesn't perform just one miracle that gets us to the destination. What it usually is, it's a lot of little miracles along the journey. 
But we like one big miracle. That's what we all want, right? We're praying for the silver bullet. We're praying for the big check to come in the mail. Some of y'all praying to win the lotto. Pray for him, man. Pray for him. Like, <laughs> don't even mess with that, right? But we look for that just one big thing. That's usually not the way God works. It's usually a lot of little miracles along the journey that keeps us leaning in. And I don't have enough time to tell you about all the miracles that happened, but uh, we got to the point where we did get the building. We got the keys, and we're starting to now retrofit the building. We're doing the demo work, and we hired this general contractor, and he was highly recommended by some of these people that I knew that were big developers in the city. And so we're like, great, you know, we got the best guy. And, you know, you ever hear those nightmare stories about contractors? Yeah, yeah, if there's contractors here, yeah, well, y'all did good contractors here, right? Well, we ended up hiring one of those guys. The inspector shows up at the building when some guys were doing all the demos. So what are you guys doing here? Oh, we're getting ready. We're building the church. What church? So we, there's, there's no, he had his iPad there. He's like, there, there's no permit pulled on this. You guys got to get out of here. I'm going to give you a fine if I catch you here again. So we called the guy. We found out that he didn't pull a permit for us to start because he didn't have his general contractor's license in Florida. We're like, what are you doing? So we had to fire that guy, and it put us behind on the project by several weeks, and we're stressed out now. We're like, oh, my goodness, what are we going to do? But we ended up taking a chance, and we hired a guy from our church. And so sometimes, though, you know what? Um, a setback can be a setup for what God has next. And, and none of us like setbacks. None of us like interruptions. But sometimes an interruption can be an invitation to something that's so much better. And you can watch God show up and move in an amazing way. So, so watch this. So we hired this young man from my church, and we had met him six years before in jail. And not adult jail, the juvenile jail. Yeah, he didn't work there. He was attending. <laughs> not by choice. He was 17 years old, and so we had, we've had a juvenile detention center ministry for over 20 years. So that night, some of our, our rappers went in from the church. They did some songs. They shared the gospel. They shared their testimony. A bunch of kids received Jesus and prayed. And a few days later, this young man named Francisco Diaz, he got out, and he remembered Crossover Church, my church. And he said, I'm going to find that church. And he started attending. And some men in the church began to take him under their wing and mentor him. And when he turned 18, he studied really hard. And at 18 years old, he got his general contractor's license. And he started this little construction company. Listen to the name. It's called Heaven Sent Construction. And let me tell you, they were Heaven Sent at that time. Six years later, he's only 23 years old. We hire him to run this um, <laughs> seven-figure project, right? And he's 23 years old. He has 16 people that work for him full time. He's been crushing it. He's been building his company. He's been faithful, right? And so he said, Pastor Tommy, he said, man, let, let me, I see the bid. It seems maybe a little high. I think I could save the church some money. Can I rebid this to all of my guys? And I'm like, absolutely, because we don't even have half the money for this. I don't even, you know, we're in a recession. People that made commitments to give didn't give all of it yet. And then, like, we sold our former campus to another church and they weren't able to get financed for the full amount, so we had to finance part of it and have a second mortgage. So we didn't have all the money we thought we were going to have, and I'm like, man, we just need some more miracles, right? Here's another little miracle along the journey. So it was billed in at $1.7 million for the build-out. He came back to me a few weeks later. He got it down to a million dollars. Saved us almost $700,000.
Another little miracle along the journey. It wasn't the full thing, right? Because we get to the end of the project um, several months later, we have about two weeks left of construction and we're totally out of money. The bank account is empty. And so we had to have a meeting and he's like, we gotta finish this. I'm like, I know, I'm, I don't know who else to ask for money. I asked my grandmom and everything. It's like, we're, we're, we, we, we did, you know, we're selling cookies, we're doing, we did everything we could. I don't know what else to do, man. And he said, well, listen, I have some money in the bank for my company. I'll loan it to you guys, pay me back whenever you can. I said, man, that's generous, but we're short $200,000. He said, that's exactly what I have in the bank, Pastor. So think about it for a minute. What 23-year-old do you know that has 200K liquid sitting in the bank? You know, yeah, I got that in the bank. It's cool. Yeah. So this kid grew up, and he didn't come from money. He grew up in the hood in West Tampa. His parents actually ended up working for him. This kid paid himself $400 a week and all the rest of the money he would put in the bank for his company. And he said, Pastor T, I was saving this for my company so we could take on bigger projects because you gotta float it for a little while. But he said, but you know, little that I know, I'm saving it up for my church. Man. Now, I, I wanna remind you, and I want you to remember where we first met this guy. Just six years earlier, he was a teenager in the juvenile detention center. A lot of churches don't go to the juvenile detention center. Those kids are lost, forgotten. Like, But we had a passion and a heart to go in there. And whoever you guys are serving, and I know the heart of your pastor and the heart of this church is to serve the city. And you guys have been making a massive difference. That's why you're growing and thriving in a place where most churches are dying. And you guys, I mean, you see the banners and the pictures, and this is your heart. You guys feed people. You guys serve. You do trunk or treat. You do backpacks. You do all these things to serve the city. You never know those people that you're serving, what God's going to do in their life. We had no idea this 17-year-old kid was going to save us $700,000 and then loan us $200,000 and build our church. Come on, give God some praise. So listen, if God said it, believe it. Believe it. And it usually is not just one miracle along the journey that's going to get you to the destination. It's a series of miracles. And here's the third thing, the last thing that can help you guys flip your frames. Number three is hang around optimistic people. If you're always around negative people, what's it going to do? It's going to pull you down. But if you get around some faith-filled, God-lenses, optimistic people, it's going to raise you up. It's going to encourage you. It's going to build your faith. So I want to ask you, the people that are in your closest circle, what kind of frames do they have on? Think about it. Be honest. There were some people in my life that I needed to stop spending so much time with several years back because I realized how pessimistic they were, and they were slowing me down as I was moving towards the purpose that God had for my life. And as I grew spiritually and, and I matured, not saying I'm better than them, but soon I realized, like, we don't even have that much in common anymore. And so I had to reevaluate some people that were around me. And, and I naturally began to build some more positive relationships and ones that were more life-giving instead of life-draining. You know those draining relationships that you have? Like when you see that person's name on your phone, you're like, oh, Lord. Right? But then there's other people that you see their name, you're like, oh, hey, what's up? You know, so, some people that are those draining people, we, we, we call them drainos sometimes. 
you know, you're with them for like five minutes and it feels like five hours, right? But then those life-giving people, you're with them for five hours and it feels like five minutes. You're like, oh my gosh, it's 11 p.m. already? Oh man, we got to get ready to go to bed. We got church tomorrow, right? We were hanging out last night, like, man, we, and we're losing an hour. So give it up for yourselves. You came today, even though you lost an hour of sleep. And listen, I love people that are Dranos. If you're here today and you're kind of in that season of your life, I love you because I want to flip your frames. Because I believe that God has something so much better for you and God can flip your frames and you can begin to see the potential that you have. And in my life, I started to hang around with some people that were a little bit ahead of me. And I learned from those people. And we would have never been able to get into our new building and do all the things that God has allowed us to do. We baptized over 1,700 people in the last 12 years at our new location. It's been just revival. It's been a miracle of God, right? Right in, the, right in the heart of the urban community in the city. That would have never happened if I wasn't hanging around people that were helping me with my frames to dream bigger, to think bigger, to think God can do the impossible. Ephesians 3.20, it says God can do anything, you know. He can do beyond what you dream or you imagine. He can do anything. That was our theme verse for our church as we were trying to move into this old Toys R Us store. I want to tell you guys this at the Bridge Church. You guys are in the right space if you're trying to flip your frames. Because the pastors here, the leaders here, the people that I got to hang around on the hospitality team, man, they're optimistic people. They're God-filled people. You could just feel the excitement, the energy in the room. That's called the Holy Spirit. God's spirit is here. Some of y'all might just say, I like the vibe. Yeah, that vibe is God's spirit that's here. He's working in people's lives, and it just flows out naturally, and you can't help it. And it's contagious. So if you stick around, you're going to catch the virus. It's a good virus. It's a good one. It's going to change your life. It's going to change your life. So you're in a good place today, y'all got great leadership here don't miss it tap in plug in god wants to use you god's going to use this church in amazing ways in the next couple years and you you're on the front end of it you want to be here for it last night pastor jose as we were driving back from he picked me up in, at LaGuardia, so we had a long drive you know how that is right and he said he said man i feel like our church is just we're just seeing the blade of grass start to come out right now you guys have been planting you guys have been watering, you've been fertilizing in this city, in this community, and people are talking about you, they're checking you out. It takes a little bit of time for people to trust you, especially New Yorkers. I know y'all. I married one. She was watching me. She's, she's from Queens. So my queen is from Queens. But now you're in this season where, like, I believe the growth is about to explode. And you guys are, are going to see amazing things happen in the next few years. But you got to flip your frames. You got to be ready for it. Hey, everybody. Thank you so much for joining us here at Church of the Bridge today. I pray that you had a personal encounter with God, that he spoke to you powerfully, and that he met you at your place of need with this message. I also want to encourage you to go ahead and subscribe to our YouTube page. By doing so, you'll be able to check out past messages, uh, past events that we've done. You'll also be able to see what's happening now and those things that are to come. And lastly, I'd like to invite you to join with us in all that God is doing with your giving. Feel free to do so on our website. Again, thank you again for joining us, and I can't wait to connect with you next week.